Turn in your Bible to 2 Samuel 11, if you would. Because of the uh, shortness of time, we'll just read the introduction, and then I'm kind of counting on you to have been reading. Uh, I, I hope you're reading through the Bible with the program. That's, it's really a, a, a real blessing to, to do that as we go through the Bible together this year. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Then it happened in spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. Not David's finest moment. Um, Wow. Wow. The man who was called a man after God's own heart. And and the Bible's very pointed about some things here. Number one, it says it was the time when the kings go out, but King David stayed in Jerusalem and sent Joab instead. And it says it was the time of day when people are winding up the day and preparing to go to bed, but David's just getting up out of bed. And... uh, well, there's an old proverb uh, goes something like, uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Uh, what's David doing here? Uh, in a way, I uh, have a hard time faulting him for part of this. You know, David didn't set out to become a king. He, he was just taking care of his father's sheep when Samuel showed up and insisted that he come to the party and anointed him to be the king. And from that day until this one, uh, it seems from the biblical record that David had spent most of his time either fighting for his life or running for his life. And now he's finally arrived. He's finally gotten to the point where nobody in Israel is trying to kill him. Saul's gone. Saul's family are no longer a threat. And all of Israel has recognized him as king. And the, the most powerful enemies around about have already been defeated. And David now has a security uh, far greater than he's had since he was a boy. Also, I'm sure David was very tired of living out in the open and in caves and, and uh, you know, out there in the field with soldiers, and David finally has a house to live in. And so David is simply enjoying the comforts that most of us long for. Don't we want security in our lives? That's one of the great goals of people around the world, is to find some place where they can have some security. And comfort. He's finally got a house to live in instead of living in the field or in a cave or someplace. He's not running for his life anymore, and so he decides he can take a little time off and enjoy life. What's wrong with that? 
Well, the problem is, it seems that he's bored. He's listless. He's sleeping in the afternoon and then wandering around in the evening. And uh, he gets into trouble. He, um, oh, <laughs> he really blows it, doesn't he? So, there's a warning here. Bad news. Sometimes the comforts that we really long for turn out to be the enemies of our soul. Spiritually, David was better off when he was running, <laughs> when he was fighting for his life, uh, when he was in trouble. Uh, be careful what you wish for. But of course, the story doesn't end there. David gets notice that Bathsheba's pregnant, and so he starts trying to cover up, starts trying to cover his tracks. And we won't go through all the details, but first he tries to deceive Uriah, and then he winds up having Uriah murdered. You know, it's bad enough to be caught in sin, but covering it up often leads to even worse things. As David goes down this path of, oh, don't let anybody know what I've done now, as he tries to cover up, the situation just keeps getting worse. You know, Uriah was one of David's elite troops, one of his best men, one of the 30. And David would have known Uriah personally. Now he's done what he shouldn't have done. And to cover it up, he winds up having Joab send Uriah into a place where he knows he could get killed, and he does get killed. So now David's guilty of adultery and murder. That's not really good news, is it? And there's some more bad news in this chapter. You know, <laughs> sometimes evil schemes work at least for a while. It looks like David's going to get away with this, doesn't it? The only one who knows seems to be Joab, and Joab isn't going to tell anybody. Uh, Joab's a ruthless man who's looking out for his position. He's not going to tell anybody. <laughs> wow. Does, does it ever bother you when you look around this world and you see people getting away with things? Uh, you look at the politicians, particularly, you know, or the primaries, and it seems sometimes that they just get away with things. Uh, people in power, especially, seem to get away with things for a while. Uh, but although I was assigned chapter 11, I couldn't leave it there because I don't like preaching bad news. And it seems to me this chapter is all bad news. Uh, David's great failure. Yeah, it, it's the Garden of Eden all over again. Uh, Adam and Eve didn't take the forbidden fruit because there wasn't any fruit to eat. Uh, David didn't go to Bathsheba because he didn't have plenty of other women that were legal for him to go into. No, it's, it's the forbidden fruit. It's breaking the rules. It's, it's the sin that enticed him. 
And then he escalates it. As he tries to hide it, it keeps getting worse and worse. And then it seems like he's gotten away with it. Bad news. Well, (laughs) it seems like he got away with it. Except God has a way of bringing hidden things to light. Threw in a little Swahili for you there. Habariyako. That's the way you greet people in Swahili. But literally what it means is news of the day. What's the news of the day? And the news of the day today is what's hidden will not stay hidden. God always brings things into the light. He is light. He brings things into the light. Sometimes people get away with things for years. Sometimes they get away with things for a lifetime. But ultimately, what's hidden will be revealed. And the longer someone gets away with it, the worse it is for them. It was out of grace that God sent Nathan (laughs) to put his finger on David and say, you're the man. News, yeah, God will make known those things that are hidden. And more bad news, the wages of sin is death. What, what happens? Well, first of all, the child dies. Uh, Nathan says that the sword will never depart from your house because you've done this thing. Uh, the the uh, wages of sin is death. And there's no hiding it from God. But thank God that's not the end of the story, right? <laughs> thank God that, that there is some good news that follows here. That uh, why did God bring this to light? give David a chance to repent. Do you know what the difference is between Saul and David? Saul's sins were no worse than David's sins. Uh, The difference between Saul and David is whenever Saul was confronted with his sin, he either denied or made excuses. Uh, There's a great thing here in chapter 12. when, When Nathan puts his finger on David, chapter 12, verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord, period. There's something very unusual in this text that doesn't show up in our English translations. In the the old texts, writing materials were so valuable that they didn't leave spaces. You just ran your words together. And you'd write all the way to the edge of the paper, even if that left you in the middle of a word and you, you continue the word on the next line. Uh, because writing, writing materials were really expensive, hard to come by. And, and so you made the most of them. But in all the good, good quality old texts of this passage, 
no matter where it occurs on the page, after David says, I have sinned against the Lord, there's always a blank space left. It's sometimes silence speaks. David didn't say, but it's not my fault. Uh, he, he didn't make any excuses. Uh, he, he, he had real repentance. I have sinned against the Lord, period. And where there's real repentance, there's forgiveness. Nathan says, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. Good news. And there's another bit of good news here. God is able to bring about good even from our worst failures. Oh, I'm not recommending we go out and fail, not recommending we go out and sin, but God is able to take those things and make something good out of them. Uh, What did God do here? Well, let's uh, look at the truth about consequences. David and Bathsheba's first child died. And some of you have gone on and read, as Cameron was alluding to, the, the next chapter, chapter 13, is this terrible story about Amnon and Tamar. And then that escalates to Absalom, who's Tamar's full brother, killing Amnon, who's his half-brother. Uh, and then because of the rift that develops between them, between David and Absalom, that is, Absalom winds up conspiring to uh, overthrow his father and almost pulls it off. And then, of course, Absalom is killed in the battle. Uh, The Lord had said through Nathan to David, the sword will never depart from your house. And, And you see the beginnings of that, and as you read through the history of the kings, you see it over and over again. These things that come as a consequence of sin. I think if David could have gone and taken it all back, he would have. If he could have seen down the road how terrible the consequences would be, I think he never would have fallen into this sin. Uh, But what does God do? Well, God gives David and Bathsheba four more sons that we know about. The next one, Solomon. Solomon becomes the, uh, the great king of Israel, and it's through his line that all the kings come. Uh, it's, it's through uh, Solomon that the Davidic kingdom is established on earth, and it's through Solomon that Joseph traces his line of descent to show that Jesus is the rightful king. Uh, but there's another one. Uh, They also have another son, name him Nathan, maybe after the prophet, (laughs) uh, the prophet who confronted David. Uh, But this Nathan is in Mary's line. If you read the genealogy in Luke, uh, it's through David and Bathsheba's son Nathan that Mary comes into the world. 
And, and so, both from the physical standpoint, uh, that is through Mary's line, Jesus comes, and also through the legal standpoint, through Joseph's line, Jesus comes. God uses this terrible mess of a situation to bring Jesus into the world. Now, do I recommend that we go out and sin so grace may abound? By no means. That's what Paul says, by no means. Uh, The the consequences of sin are terrible. Uh, But the good news is that when we do sin, there's grace. That there's the grace that if we really repent, God will forgive us of our sins. Uh, Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Uh, (laughs) Through the blood of Christ, that sin is, is blotted out doesn't exist in God's record anymore. And beyond that, God can also take us from where we are and still do something really good in this world. Uh, I just want to uh, use a little more contemporary example. We we don't have uh, a, a lot of time on Wednesday nights, but if you, uh, if you use the internet, I'd encourage you to go home and look up John Newton on Wikipedia. You know, it's a very short article. You can look him up a lot of other places too, but <laughs> John Newton uh, was involved in slave trade. Uh, for some years, he was captain of a, a slave trading ship. And it's terrible business. The slaves that they picked up from Africa, generally they figured about a third of them would die in the crossing if they took them to America to sell them there. They were chained, tight quarters, given just enough to survive. It was a terrible business, a horrible business. Slaves that died, they just pitched him over the side of the ship. Uh, and John Newton was part of that. And even after, through God's miraculous intervention, John Newton accepted the Lord, he continued to participate in the slave trade. He didn't just accept the Lord the next day, swear off the slave business. No, he kept involved in it until the Lord convicted him heavily about that. And as, as he aged, uh, he became one of the primary instruments that God used to abolish slavery in the British Empire. Uh, not only that, but as a pastor, as a writer, as a hymnist, uh, John Newton has influenced, I would guess, millions of people. Uh, was it right for John Newton to be in the slave trade? No. Should he have gotten out as soon as he accepted the Lord? Yes. <laughs> Would that have been better? Yes. But because of his involvement, he was able to have the kind of influence that changed an empire. That uh, he, he teamed up with some others, uh, a young man named Wilbur Wilberforce uh, and uh, others, to, uh, to lobby 
through their life. And at the very end of his life, he got to see the resolution passed that ended slavery in the British Empire. Um, can God use our failures? Yes. So, <laughs> learn from David. If, uh, if you're thinking you can get away with sin, don't. You know, sometimes we Christians think, oh, it, 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 you know, it'll be all right. I can do this because God will forgive me. Well, yeah, if we repent, God will forgive us, but the consequences can be pretty heavy. It uh, can be things that we never want to, to see happen. On the other hand, if we have sinned, what do we need to do? Confess. Yeah. Don't, don't hide and make it worse. Don't, don't graduate from adultery to murder. Confess. Repent. You know, true repentance is not making excuses. True, not, uh, true repentance is not denying that it's a sin. True repentance is what David did. I've sinned against the Lord. Period. And, and then trust God to go on to do something with our lives. As long as God leaves us here, he's not done with us yet. Uh, God isn't finished with us here at J-Town Baptist. Uh, God's doing something. Now, we're not perfect people. We don't deserve it. <laughs> not even really all that good of people. But, but God in his grace is doing something powerful here. And let's go forward with him and see where he takes us. Not my favorite scripture. <laughs> but uh, a lot we can learn from it. Uh, there's bad news. A lot of bad news. But in the end, there's good news. Uh, will we ever be as influential as John Newton? Who knows? <laughs> um, only, only God knows the future, but we can be as faithful as he was. Uh, when God did bring him to the point of, of seeing how terrible the slave trade was and uh, re truly repenting of that, uh, then he wrote about it. Uh, he, he, he published a very, uh, a very popular uh, small book or pamphlet that talked about the slave trade and his involvement and the horrors of it. And that was a, a pivotal thing in turning public opinion against slave trade in Britain. Grace. That's why we're here. And that's how I asked Cameron to conclude our, our, our time together. Uh, one of the most popular uh, hymns, I think, since probably the time it was written, written by John Newton, Amazing Grace. Uh, let's not just sing it, but let's, let's make it ours tonight.